0: Well, good day and welcome to Let's Talk. The pro the pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk's the program for the Christian layman, you know, the Lutheran who believes but he has some questions. Well in short, the program's designed for someone just like me, because you know there's a lot I don't understand. It doesn't necessarily have to be a soul shaking thing. It might just be something that's been bothering me for a while. And I find that rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, chapter and verse type thing, sometimes a casual front porch style talk of the pastor's the best way to understand it. That's what this program is all about. And today's guest pastor is Bill Swirla of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, California. I have my questions and I'm sure you have yours you can send them to at email at any time to let's talk at kfuo.org or you can call in during the program if you're in the St. Louis area including metro east that number is 314 821 0850 and if you're anywhere in the lower 48 you can call in toll free as well at 800 730 2727 bill welcome to the program
1: Hey, welcome, uh, welcome. <laughs> Good to be back, Kip. Uh, you still sound like you're 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 like in a tunnel or something. Oh, that's
0: weird. That shouldn't be the case.
1: Not, I mean, yeah. not like big echoey, but but this kind of hollow sound. Maybe you should hang some rugs on your wall or something. You know, I, I don't know. Well, are, are you be. in your I basement mean, wine cellar? No,
0: actually, I'm in. I'm in the dining bomb room. Shelter.
1: Oh, dining, dining room. room. It must be massive. You must have a massive dining room.
0: <laughs> well, I thought we were supposed to be in the bad. porch.
1: It doesn't have a porch sound. Okay, I'm just saying that. But that's Oh, okay. That's it. That's it. We'll take care of that. I'm next lacking time. the porch sound.
0: <laughs> well, you know, how being, are you? Um, I'm fine. I'm, I've escaped the uh, this bloody flu thing. Whatever the heck's going on around here. Uh, I'm okay. I think my. Uh, you, you
1: mean you mean COVID nineteen, COVID two? That's the one. That's exactly that, that ain't the one we're talking about flu, No, it's,
0: it's a, not. It's a that's type influenza. influenza. No Oh, picky picky it's picky, a, picky. It's a
1: coronavirdae, different family of viruses. Come on, let's get let's get our let's get our, entom- our, our etymology straight here. This is uh <laughs>
0: okay. you're the scientist, not me.
1: Sort of <laughs> that still sort blows of. me away from both the theologian yeah. and a it's scientist. Like, it's like being multilingual. I speak science. I, I'm not a scientist, but uh, but I hang out with them too. I hang out with a lot of them, uh, family, yeah. friends. It, so yeah, I you, you got to speak precisely when you're a scientist, but that's okay. It's not a flu, though. Don't call it a flu. Flu's bad, yeah. though. Flu's oh. real bad. Spanish oh, yeah. flu is horrible.
0: Oh, oh, that's what my mother said. You know, she was around at that time. Does
1: she remember? Does she remember the Spanish flu? Oh yeah, she
0: remembers. 1918. Yeah, she should. How old is yep. she? Well, right now, she's been deceased for 20-some-odd years. But, oh, that's uh, well, now, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you spoke of her in the yeah. present tense, which is which yeah. is always true of the faithful departed. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We never pass tense our faithful departed uh, because they are always alive in the Lord, and the Lord is the Lord of the uh, living, good not point. the dead, right? Yeah, so. yeah
0: no, she was uh, five or six years old when that happened. Really? And, uh, she remembers.
1: Yeah. She remembers. There's very little uh, written... Over- very little written on that topic. There's a book. I have to find it. Um, I, can't, I can't judge up the title right now. But there is a book that somebody wrote fairly recently, not in the current throes of things, but, but like I, I'm thinking maybe about 10 years ago, on the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic. And uh, the weird thing is, after it was over, nobody talked about it. It was just, there was like a hush.
0: It was. Nobody really understood what it was or why it was happening. And, you know, this was just coming on the aftermath of the First World War. Yeah, and uh, this this influenza killed more people than the war did.
1: Yeah, it did. It did. It was a form of H1N1. There are twenty eight kinds of influenza, so that's why that's why your flu shot doesn't work because it's a crapshoot. You don't know uh, from year to year which which one is coming our way, so you kind of guess, and you know sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good, but. Uh, um, well, you know, immunity, some of the, uh, immunity some of is a slippery it. thing.
0: <laughs> it, it is indeed. <laughs> yeah. But you know, some of the uh, some of the blogs and uh, posts I follow uh, have been saying for years that there's going to be another pandemic, and uh, by golly, it really happened.
1: Uh, so, you about know, once a century, a you know, it's it's a kind of a it's a hundred year history has kind of a wavelength of a hundred years we have really short attention spans, you know, and I think that's due to media and, and just the immediacy of our culture. So we tend to kind mm-hmm. of think in terms of days, weeks, months, maybe years, but we get a little impatient. Uh, you know, look how impatient we are now. It's it's like eight or ten weeks into into things, and we just, we want to get back to normal. And, you know, I think of the Israelites in Babylon, 70 years of exile, you know, 70, <laughs> 70 years, uh, you know, so... Well, we have or very following short Moses in the desert for 40 you, years. You know, you think about it, um, there's been several generations that have not experienced such a thing since your, your did you say mom or grandma? Was that, who, who, my, my who remembers,
0: hmm? Yeah, that was going to be my point. Yeah, it was my mother. But, you know, I, yeah. I, I doubt there's
1: many people alive
0: today who remember that.
1: No, and, and she was a little girl, so, so you know, mm-hmm. so she was very young when it happened. And it's going to be a childhood memory, but but you know, there have been several generations that have gone by that have not really experienced we've had bad flu seasons, we've had what would have been technically defined as a pandemic, but not not with the impact that this one has. And so uh, we're we're on we're not on uncharted ground, but we're on uncharted ground for us. Say and, and I think well, that this, well, this, I remember, this is a challenge.
0: Well, I remember the Asian flu back in I guess it was fifty-seven and then in 67 68 also an in influenza it was, i just hasten to point out <laughs> influenza thank you the asian influenza well no that's what flu is he, short
1: flu is short for that kind of <laughs> oh,
0: virus oh picky picky you ought to be a copy editor <laughs> no you should i shouldn't. am a you pretty good somebody. one except for my own work <laughs> my, my own work it's always that way It's an yeah. dire need I remember of a copy when, editor you yeah. Well, I remember in uh, I guess it was uh, 66 67 there was the Hong Kong flu and yep. I got that and it was horrible and then about 10 years later there was the Russian flu and I got that one and it was horrible.
1: Yeah, but uh, yeah, it can be. I mean, yeah. influenza is a very it, that is not it's it's just as contagious and it and it, it picks off the same kind of people the Immunologically challenged, the elderly—it's—it's—it's uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, this one, the, the, its closest relative is would be the SARS epidemic of two thousand and three. That's that's its evolutionary relative, the the thing we're mm-hmm. dealing with today. So, um, but and it's it's not the same. You know, <laughs> you almost wish it were because because uh, SARS version one Kinda just disappeared, but uh, 2.0, I don't think is gonna disappear so easily. So we'll see. Well, and it's it's virulently
0: uh, contagious. Well, actually, I think most influenzas are. As I mentioned, uh, I had the uh, when I had the Hong Kong flu. uh, I was a sophomore in college. And everybody in my fraternity house came down with it. I was one of the last ones to get hit, but everybody in the house got hit. Yeah,
1: frat houses are just kind of those are those are major spreader (laughs) events. (laughs) Uh, There's no way you can. And and then who knows where it went from there? You know, I mean, went to every sorority, and it just went all over campus. (laughs) That's what and happened with the, the swine flu, so by the way. Pick, the, yeah. the swine flu was a—that's another HN uh, kind of influenza. Oh, well,
0: right, right. I remember that one. Yeah, that but that one was 76? spring break driven. Yeah, I yeah. I Remember that? And then there were there were the uh, there was the, uh, vi- the the vaccine that came up, and then there was the side effect to that. The uh, what was it? The, the, the gay virus. The Syndrome, whatever it was called,
1: Guillain-Barré. Yeah, the the yeah. No, that's a, that's a brain neurological brain thing. Um, yeah, there, there's all yeah. man. There's this, there's more ways. It's dangerous out there, Kip. I'm telling you, it's just dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was do, you know do you know that in those. the Bible? I, I think we're supposed to be talking about the Bible. The, 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 do you know that in the Bible, um, yeah. God's three ways of kind of like stirring things up. When he, when he wants to shake things up he 's got three basic tools in his toolkit: uh, one war, so the sword okay so when, when he wants to bring the hammer down on israel or israel 's neighbors, depending on what the mood of the day is, he uses the sword two pestilence um, pestilence is uh, that 's a biggie so we 're we're, we're in pestilence all right now, and then three is famine, economic deprivation. Uh, those are his big three. That's, that's, those are his go-to tools. He's got a few others, but these are the ones when you look through the old Testament, um, these are, in fact, when David took a census, which he wasn't supposed to do, uh, I don't know if you remember the incident, of David, David, you know, all Kings get this kind of notion that they've, they've got to like do stuff. So, so, and you either take a sentence, a census for taxation or war. Neither oh, yeah. of which God and, was really keen on. And, and so God said, no, no, don't do that. And David did anyway. And so David's going to get punished. And God, God gives him a choice. You know, it's like choose your poison. You can have three years of war. You can have uh, uh, three days or three weeks or whatever of, of pestilence. Or you can have uh, famine. And uh, David's kind of clever. He, he goes, you choose. You choose. <laughs> which, which, you know, now that there's something there. You know, when you put it back in the hands of God. And God, by the way, chose pestilence. <laughs>
0: oh, <So>. joy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that actually brings me up to a, uh, uh, an article that you sent to me that I read through. And uh, as usual, it sparked some interest in some conversation and some questions that I hadn't thought about before. And uh, basically, you, the, uh, the working title of it was The, uh, the Priest the parent, and the prince. And how in the hand kingdom, now that's, that's, that's the other thing that I hadn't thought about, is that we got, we all understand the two-kingdom the two concept. Now the right-hand kingdom of the church, where all three of those factors are in the hands of God, and that's cool. But here in the left-hand kingdom, well, we've got the parent, the, the priest, the parent, and the prince, and they all have different roles, almost like our, our government with the three different branches. And what happens when they get mixed up together? That's the problem. And we're seeing that now in this, in this, how we're trying to cope with this, with this pandemic.
1: Well, you know, we're kind of watching the, the pandemic has a way, it, it's kind of like sandblasting. It has a way of sort of, uh, peeling back the layers of paint to see what's actually underneath and all the (laughs) corrosion that you didn't realize was there, but somebody covered it up with paint. It kind of peels away the thin veneers that we have of ourselves and our institutions, our society, and it sort of reveals things. Maybe we didn't want to, like, deal with, but we've got them. And and so one of the things that that occurred to me was we're seeing um, a very dramatic uh, Play uh, between these three orders. Let, let me clean up a little bit of language, if I may. Okay, um, it's very oh, common in Lutheran circles to talk about two kingdoms, and and then to immediately jump to church and state. Um, that's not really two kingdoms theology uh, in in Lutheranism. Lutheran, Lutheran the Lutheran tradition is a little. Um, I don't know. Sloppy is the wrong word, but it uses two kingdoms for a lot of different things. But the most consistent and the most confessional way is temporal and eternal kingdom, not right left hand. That that's, eh, but temporal and eternal kingdom. So so and okay, God well, rules both. Sense. Those are those are the twofold. That's the two rules of God. He rules temporally over this creation, and he rules eternally uh, in the kingdom of God. And so. Uh, the temporal Kingdom is is uh, this life as we know it, this creation, and it 's basically a rule of law uh, the, the The eternal kingdom is a rule of grace um, and so and and we as as children born from above in baptism, have dual citizenship. we are members of the temporal kingdom by virtue of our first birth, and we are Uh, also of the eternal kingdom by virtue of our second birth and baptism. So that's two kingdoms. But what I was talking about here is only the temporal kingdom, only the kingdom of this present world and this creation. And those are divided into three ordos or estates, uh, which I gave the uh, alliterative name of uh, priest, parent, and prince. Um, and uh, Which I
0: think fit very well with the argument that you were making
1: Yeah, well, it comes from the table of duties Do you, do you remember the table of duties or Christian responsibility? Oh, Luther's
0: small catechism, oh yeah, 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 I remember yeah.
1: that during confirmation class You got to it? You actually got to it? <laughs> I'm not well, saying I memorized it, but we got to it Yeah, it's just a collection <laughs> of Bible passages from the New Testament And it's collected under basically three headings And then there are a few more at the end But the three headings come from a a very key concept in um, sort of the theology of the temporal kingdom, and that is that the temporal, God rules this creation in three ways, Um, that he rules spiritually through a spiritual authority, which we'll just give the name priest. You can call it church, but that gets a little confusing because not all places in this world have the church. You know, for some, that's the synagogue or the mosque or something. But there's a spiritual authority. There's a moral authority. There's something that squares us up before God, our maker, that says we're accountable. Right. And then secondly, right. there's an economic, uh, there's an economic estate uh, or the household. I like the name in Latin. It's the ordo economicus. So we get the word economy and economics from that. It's the economic. Oh, remember, we're estate. just English speakers here. Yeah, but the Latin is where it's at, man. That's, that's, where, that's where you find true meaning of <laughs> hey, life. I can speak a little
0: Russian, but no Latin. Oh, Russian.
1: Um, and then the third estate is the political estate, the ordo politicus, or the government, or the state, if you will, or something like that. So you have priest, parent, and prince, if you want to be clever about it. Or you have temple, household, and throne. And those are the three pillars of society. Those are the three pillars of all human community, no matter where it is, is temple, household, and throne, spiritual authority, economic, and um, political. And what we're seeing today, I think, is we're kind of seeing sort of a takeover, (laughs) you know, where the prince wants to be everything. The prince wants to be parent. The prince wants to be priest. Uh, the prince wants to exert spiritual authority. The prince wants to exert moral authority. The prince is telling us what marriage is and what it isn't, uh, telling us when life begins and how to treat it. And so we've kind of, you know, things are stable on three legs, but they're not so stable on one. And, uh, and this that's, is that's, what's happening here. Where the yeah, prince that's is trying my fear to assume
0: all, all, all those roles.
1: See and, and oh, by the way, just a little reformation history. Luther wrote to all three of these in fifteen twenty these three famous writings of the Reformation. Uh, he wrote to the spiritual authority in the Babylonian captivity of the church it 's addressed to the Pope. he wrote to the um, the household on the liberty of the Christian man, and he wrote to the prince. On to the Christian nobility and their vocation to govern see and so in uh, these are the this is a triad of works that define the Reformation uh, From Luther and they are basically Ordered along this line of thinking. There's a there's a spiritual estate an economic estate and a ruling estate or a political estate
0: And that's what we're looking at now. I mean this, this has always been the case uh, But as you pointed out, you know the, you're you're spilling it out and what's happening here is we're we're seeing a shift rather than a balance of power between those three those three factors. Now we're seeing a power shift.
1: Well, you know, you think about you mentioned the the uh, separation of powers in our constitutional government, which I think is a piece of genius. I don't know where they got it from. I did it one time, maybe, but I forgot. Maybe from right? Luther? No, probably not. Probably from the Enlightenment somewhere. They, these guys were all Enlightenment type thinkers, but. Um, the idea that judicial power, legislative power, and executive power should not be in the same hands is really smart uh, because because if you collapse all of them, then you get dictator see and yeah. and then, and then because you know this, these authorities are entrusted in the hands of sinful men. This is not god 's direct rule; uh, he works through means, and the means are these these authority structures, whether they be father, mother. Uh, the governor and those who are governed, or uh, the preacher and his hearers; the, those are authority structures that God has set in place. Uh, but it's in the hands of sinful men, so you, you, it makes sense to keep them apart, to keep spiritual authority, economic authority, and uh, and ruling authority separate, because when they collapse together, nothing good comes of it. You mm. know, and and that's well,
0: just look at the. Just look at the Soviet Union for example. Exactly. Uh, whereas yeah, they all came in there where the uh, the party was all, was the priest, the party was the parent and the party was the prince.
1: Well, communism and, uh, does that. Totalitarian government does that. It wants to be your parent oh, yeah. and it wants to be your did it priest. As
0: well.
1: You know, and so it has to it has to silence and quash all religion. And again, this is religion in a generic sense. This is not religion, the Christian religion. You know, we have to be careful sometimes because our models are built on a medieval model where Christianity ruled the roost. You know, you you put your cathedral, the biggest building in town, square, right in the middle of the town square. You know, that's the way of saying we rule. (laughs) You know, you were a member of the parish whether you liked it or not or believed it or not because you lived there. That was it, period. Um, but that's Christendom. That's a, that's a sort of a power model of Christianity. It's not the early church by any stretch. But it is once, once Christ. See, and there's the danger. What was the danger at the time of Luther? The Pope and the Emperor were cozy, too cozy, really cozy. See, um, that was the problem in the Revelation, the the, the the beast of the land and the beast of the sea. The beast of the sea is Rome. And the beast of the land is the religious cult of the, C- the Caesar cult in Ephesus. And those two in cahoots, are, are pro- they're a problem, <laughs> you know. It's, and the devil is right in the middle of it, you know. So that's why well, we're we not... Look for, well, we can look, for example, the Middle
0: East right now. Uh-huh. We're seeing that in, in, in the Islamic countries where there is no separation between the church and the state.
1: No, 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 no. In priest, fact, Islam wants to be a world rule. It wants to be one world religion, one world government combined as one. That's why you have clerics in charge of Islamic states. And, you know, I've long said don't put the clergy in charge of anything political. But you know, just don't <laughs> do it. Uh, but, but see, that's, that's just kind of written literally in stone in, in Islam, that church, you know, that the, the spiritual estate and the political estate are together. And and then the ambition goes one step further. One world rule. See, and, and mm, ba- bad all the way around bad. That's Tower of Babel bad.
0: Okay, now here, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, okay?
1: Always dangerous, by we- the way, to advocate for the <laughs> devil. You ever see that movie? <laughs> who was who that? That was uh, Al Pacino. They, uh, oh, I
0: mean, yes, I love that movie. It is a good movie. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, but but, <laughs> but we as... <laughs> but don 't we, as Christians, also hope that all, the world will it will embrace
1: Christianity, but not as a government um, as, as as a faith, yes, but not not as a government you know it 's not a Lutheran concept to conceive of a christian nation that 's a reformed concept that comes out of calvin 's Geneva does not come out of out of Lutheranism because we recognize. That governing authority and, and spiritual authority should not be in the same hands. That doesn't mean that Christians can't serve in public office, but you have to be very careful of what hat you're wearing when you do that, right? And, and recognize mm-hmm. that you're not trying to establish a, a national church. Uh, you're, you're trying, and that's why that's how Luther can say, you know, anybody who knows the Ten Commandments, be he, um, you know, be he the the Turk or or Jewish or whatever, can rule. He can govern. See, Luther didn't require the prince be Christian.
0: No, he didn't. But he also recognized the threat of quote the Turk.
1: Yeah, well, that would be Islam in our in our in our way of saying things because because hey, if they've got anything, they got the law (laughs) in in spades. Okay, (laughs) they have no gospel, but they got the law, and and that's Luther's point. You see, the political order does not govern by the gospel. Uh, You know, for that matter, the spiritual authority doesn't govern by the gospel either. You see that in church life. If you're ever disciplined by the church. You know that's that's the the exclusion of the unrepentant sinner. That is the moral authority of the church at work. See, one one thing, and, and where I'm going with some of this is, I think we're making a mistake today. Well, first of all, we've got our ordos mixed up because, because the first the first one established by God is actually not the home; it's the spiritual authority. Because okay, Adam yeah. was Adam was a priest, a priest of creation. That's what the garden is. The garden is a temple and it 's got a center, okay. death and life in the middle, God in the middle so it's very it 's very temple kind of language in both genesis one genesis two see and so the worship of God exists before even the family exists in the bible
0: oh yeah well we're, well in Genesis it talks about how adam and God walked together and taught together.
1: Yeah, in the, so, in the garden. So that would so. Luther says that in his in his Genesis commentary, he says that the the spiritual authority comes ahead of the, ahead even of the household. And uh, but but the household too is established by God in the establishment of marriage in the union of male and female, and so that that's that's then the the basis of economic community, um, and only later does the prince show up and that's just to basically restrain sin and keep order. So, so really it's the third and last and least of the ordos, but boy, I tell you, it has a way of like grabbing the spotlight, doesn't it? <laughs> and we put well, a lot of trust in more it. After, we put we a we lot of trust in some more, But
0: you know, Stephanie has just reminded me that it is time that we have to take a break. Oh, the law. Well, we got a lot more to talk about. Okay. Stephanie's
1: the law here.
0: Yes, she is. She's the <laughs> prince, princess actually. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you.
1: Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson, host of Moments of Assurance here on Worldwide KFUO. On the next MOA Weekend, I'll share thoughts with you about worry. What are you anxious about? Your health, your wealth, your job, your relationship? Jesus said, consider the ravens. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. So join me for a worry-free discussion on MOA Weekend, 7.45 a.m. this Saturday and Sunday morning here on Worldwide KFUO.
0: In 1924, by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the good news of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Ascension Lutheran Church in St. Louis at 815 and Hope Lutheran Church in St. Anne at 1045, as well as Bible study from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere at 930. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. My part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. I'm a better neighbor because my service has taught me how important it is to be a team player. My training helps me in my classes when I give attention to detail to the task at hand. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my country safe from threats. Learn more about how you too can live and serve part-time by visiting nationalguard.com.
1: Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association this station.
0: At a time when Bibles are gradually disappearing from hotel room drawers and the place of Biblical symbols in our public spaces has come into question, many Americans are asking about the role the Bible played in American history. From the movement for American independence to the abolition movement, from women's suffrage to civil rights, the Bible has been present. On almost every side
1: of every debate in our nation's history, people have appealed to or referenced the Bible. What is it about the Bible's role in American history, and how will it change in the future? Will advancing technology continue to change the way we read the Bible? Will the COVID-19 pandemic change the way people have access to the Bible, or how they use it? At Museum of the Bible, you can explore the Bible in America's history, and leave your own thoughts about how it will or should impact our future
0: brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington DC Welcome back to Let's Talk the Pastors In. I'm program host Kip Allen and my guest today is Bill Swirlow, who's the pastor of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, California. Bill, I'm not entirely sure how to frame this to the audience about what it is we're talking about.
1: Well, we're talking about how society is is ordered really and and you know, it goes back to it go Well, first of all it goes back to the garden. It goes back to genesis 1 and the earth Uh, It goes back to the place of man as as the the lord and uh, priest of creation the image of god Um, And and it's reflected in how our societies are put together. Uh, They stand on essentially three pillars Uh, They stand on uh, a spiritual pillar All societies have some kind of spiritual authority. Uh, It could be a shaman, it could be the medicine man, it could be, uh, you know, the priest, the rabbi, the minister, whatever, you know, but there's a spirit. As I put it, it's a reminder that like Hebrew national hot dogs, we're all accountable to a higher authority. Um, And that it flows out of our natural knowledge of God. We have an intuitive sense that there's something bigger than us out there. Um, there 's an economic there 's an economic pillar, the household uh, i 'd like to think of the family business, the farm, the restaurant, whatever uh, but you know th- that 's the basis of all economics, and that is uh, we using our god given vocations to provide for our families to serve our neighbor and then there 's a ruling uh, state or a ruling pillar that uh, maintains order. Uh, in society enforces the speed limits And uh, you know that sort of thing Because we have a penchant for anarchy We like to do things our own way So you know these three pillars uh, Exist and and uh, Luther and Lutherans Would say they, they It's not that they're biblical I, I hesitate to use that term um, But that they're embedded really In, in um, Creation and fall Itself the, the state is the result Of the fall but uh, but spiritual authority and, and the household are part of the created order, so it's just it's just part of human life.
0: Well, you know, back in my college days, <clears throat> I actually read Hegel and Nietzsche and all those all those other guys. And one thing that I read that really struck me, I think it was I think it was Hegel came up with this concept, was that the state is essentially a living organism and functions as such. It means that it's Whole reason for being is self-preservation, and well, uh, maybe that, yeah. I, this, I, I, this is part I, of what we're seeing.
1: I wouldn't go that route. Um, state is a tricky word. Um, it's not the word that Luther would have used. I mean, the Latin term is the "ordo politicus," the governing authority. Uh, Luther knew the prince. Um, state really comes out of that 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 whole ethos of the 19th and 20th century that brought us uh, the totalitarian state, and so I, I don't really like the term, but we use it for governing authority. Um, the um, I think what I think what Hegel is describing is more apropos of institution. Uh, whenever whenever we cooperatively do anything together. Whether have a church body or uh, a Rotary Club or the PTA, uh, we're going to institutionalize it in some form. See again, it's temporal kingdom, so we're going to have law, you know, constitution, bylaws, Roberts' rules of order, this kind of stuff, just to keep everything Mm -hmm. in line and working smoothly. Uh, the thing about institutions, whether it, and, and they can be in any of these orders, you can have church institutions, you can have uh, uh, economic institutions, corporations for example, uh, or you can have governmental institutions too, but, but institutions tend to take on lives of their own, even though they themselves don't exist. You know they're legal fictions <laughs> but but uh, but we we act as though they exist and they are self-conserving they will throw anybody under the bus to to, to that's survive true, but,
0: but but there's a, a factor in there that's not true with the case of the prince for example I'm Lutheran but there's nothing to stop me from going to another church or going to a synagogue or a mosque or just saying hey I'm not going to do this anymore I can voluntarily opt out of that. Same thing with the corporate world. I I can work for for a company uh, and decide I don't like it, and I can quit.
1: But can't do that with the government. Sure you can. You can can live expat somewhere else. Well. I mean, people do it all the time. Uh, In fact, Luther Luther advocated for that. Hey, remember the Berlin Wall? Yeah, well, that came down though. Uh, they, you can you can you can you can go pretty much live wherever you want to live. I mean, it may not be convenient, easy, or to your liking, but um, there's really no you know borders are kind of um, borders are artificial. They, they, there's nothing there's nothing like embedded in the land that says this is the border. You know, we we made that stuff up, uh, and so and that, that's kind of an interesting topic of discussion. You know, whose whose idea is the border? Uh, but I hear a ping. Nice. I like oh, it. Oh, that was um, me.
0: I, I forgot to turn off my phone. <laughs>
1: Sorry about that. So, um, no, you could live, you could live expat. So yeah, you are free. Just like you're free to uh, walk off to another church or free to walk out on your family or take another job, uh, at another corporation. You're free to live in another country. I know people who do it, um, so there. But you still have a prince. You just kind of changed one for the other. When you live in Italy, you got to live under the laws of Italy. Good luck. Uh, or wherever. And,
0: uh, well, that's true. But, yeah. but but as I pointed out, for example, the Berlin Wall. Yeah, the wall came down, but how many decades? And uh, how many... And even in Nazi Germany. I mean, they tried to prevent people from leaving, even Jews. I mean, they didn't want them to go. They wanted to hold on and grab their wealth and then use them in slave labor camps. And
1: You know, the you thing know, about the ordo politicus is that the forms may change. You may have kings, you may have dictators, you may have elected officials, uh, but there's always a governing authority. That's an inevitability. You know, where two or three are gathered, you're going to have a governing authority. Now, whatever theory you want to create about how it comes to be That's that's up to you uh, But biblically speaking The governing authority exists uh, Because of sin To restrain sin To curb uh, coarse outbursts of sin And the anarchy That would result from it Or like I like to say uh, There's nothing quite like the flashing Mars lamp In your rear view mirror <laughs> To uh, get your anarchistic driving habits Back under control, right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> um, you know, government's not evil. Romans thirteen, First Peter two, were to obey Caesar, were to you know honor the governor. Were, you know th- th- these things are, these things are just built into New Testament life. And these guys had they had no legal status. You know, they couldn't even build a church building when those guys were writing. So you know, uh, we've come a long way, baby, in terms of uh, public recognition. And that's kind of an interesting point. I think that um, the spiritual authority in this country has gotten too used to being a kind of a free and easy to move about the country as it pleases. Um, I had a okay, friend of mine. On th- that. I, well, I had a Can friend of mine who that. said, "You know, we're being marginalized. We're being marginalized." He said, and my response to that was, "Good. Um, we we have always done best on the margins. It's when we're in the center that we get into trouble." Um, You know, that's when the church starts to become state. There's a flip side to this. History's got flip side where the church takes over and becomes the. So the priest becomes the prince. And that doesn't work out too well either. I can assure you, you know, so. um, But but actually the margin, it's kind of a favor uh, when the church is marginalized because the church is subversive. Spiritual authority is subversive. Uh, It doesn't use the sword. It uses the persuasive power of the word and prayer. Uh, In fact, to the world, it looks not only inept, but it's non-essential. Of course it's not essential. (laughs) You know, I always chuckle, oh, churches are essential. You know, don't expect the prince to recognize that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the church is what? Where two or more people gather?
1: Well, it depends which which kingdom you're talking about. But if you talk about the eternal kingdom, the church is the body of Christ, joined to Christ by faith alone. That's true.
0: But we see, for for example, even in North Korea, we know that there are worshippers there,
1: and China, sure, absolutely. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's a there's a huge. um, But but you know you you notice, uh, and I know I know Chinese Christians because of you know where I live here. Um, uh, They they are very subversive. Because they can't, they can't exist above ground. They're marginalized, really. Uh, the government is not interested in competing religions because the government wants to be priests, see? So, so it's, yeah. it's not going to sanction churches. And so churches go underground because that's what churches do. And because they're underground, they're extremely effective. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> well, I've, always
0: maintained, I've always maintained that communism was actually a form of religion.
1: Oh, it is. It, it, it most certainly is. And it's and it's and it's a surrogate parent, too. You know, and, and, and that's 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 where we have to be. We have to be wise. I don't know what you can do about it. You know, is I'm not into the sort of let's uh, let's take our swords and go ride because, uh, you, know, you know, what happened when Peter tried to defend the Lord with a sword. He just started cutting ears <laughs> off. You know, it's just, the, you no, know, he, he hit
0: the wrong person. Yeah,
1: well, <laughs> you know, Jesus said, "Knock it off." Um, but, but uh, you know, that's not the way of of the the spiritual authority of the quote unquote church. Uh, we got, but we have but one weapon. It's the word of God. That's, yeah, that's the sword of the, the spirit, word. and it's wielded. It's wielded not by. Uh, it's wielded in prayer. Ephesians chapter six. You pray the word. The word is wielded in prayer. So the word of God in prayer is. What uh, the spiritual authority of our society does best—that's its most proper vocation. Um, Certainly, we have conversations with the prince, and certainly we have opinions about economics and the family. I mean, that's you know, goes without saying. We don't live in like these three uh, isolated corners. These these pillars all sort of work together. And Luther we had plenty to say Empire. to his prince L- Luther was always you know bending the ear of his elector about taxation, <laughs> public I education uh, i mean luther's Luther's letters and table talk are just hilarious because I mean he had opinions about everything, uh, but he also knew which lane he was in. He knew his proper vocational lane too yeah.
0: And he was indeed a subversive in almost every sense of the word. Oh, and uh, yeah. <laughs> thank heavens that Frederick the Wise decided to use it.
1: <laughs> well, you know, Luther had a very unfortunate incident in his in his kind of mid career where he called upon the prince to put down the radical Reformation, the peasants' revolt, right. and yeah. that that uh, he regretted that um, because because you know, he, first of all, you know, he he said, "Let those, let the sword swing." Uh, and, and, uh, he basically urged the, the prince to put this rebellion down. It was lawlessness in the name of Christ. It was, you know, not to be tolerated and blah, blah, blah. And then, then apparently the sword swung just a little bit too much. And, and Luther regretted that whole incident. And, and I think this plays right into what we're saying. We have to be very, very careful about the distinction of these estates or these ordos and to know what their proper place and role is in our society.
0: And what happened here was when Luther confused the, the priest and the, and the prince.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think he was trying to press, if, to use this terminology, he was trying to press prince in service of priest. And that didn't work out too well. Because that's, the sword is very indiscriminate. You know, The sword of the spirit is very good, very sharp. But the, uh, the sword of man is not, ter- it's kind of a blunt instrument, really. And uh, Luther discovered that, I think, to his horror. That was a those a terrible, terrible time in 1524, 1525, um, you know, and and not one that you like to see repeated. Religious wars are terrible wars.
0: Oh yeah, I mean the Thirty Years' War was probably the up until oh, the Second World War it was the bloodiest that ever had. Actually, it may, I think I've read arguments saying that the Thirty Years' War was actually worse than the Second. Than the second well, and, World and it War. it had
1: overlaid with it. Uh, uh, tremendous outbreaks of of plague and pestilence that, that resulted in huge losses of life. Um, it, ironically, some of our best hymnody comes out of that period, and some of our uh, most, uh, most uh, uh, some of our great devotional writings uh, from uh, John, John Gerhardt, the hymns of Paul Gerhardt, some of the great music from the Lutheran tradition comes out of that period. So it's not without fruit, but it was a terrible, terrible period. It wasn't strictly a religious war. There was a lot of other dynamics going on, you know, political. See, you know, when there's Mm -hmm. war, it affects all three estates, too. It affects the spiritual estate, the economic estate, and the political estate. And and wars are fought on all these levels. You know, there's no such thing as a purely religious war. And there's no such thing as a purely political war. Yeah, and
0: there was... You know, suppose you know the, the overview is it was Protestant versus Catholic, but the, but <laughs> there were so many sides that to, to that war. Uh, I think you know France. I think as a Catholic country, fought on both sides.
1: Yeah, and always follow the money, the ordo economicus, ah. the economic thing. You know, the the money tells you a lot about what's going on in a particular uh, war, even our Civil War has a lot of layers to it you know the obvious layer of slavery but there's underlying layers of you know the agricultural south and uh, oh, yeah. there's there's and, and so that's an economic consideration uh the south being poor and agricultural the north being industrial uh and then there's also kind of you know b- beneath that is, is a political thing, the, the sovereignty of the state versus the federal government. So, so even in the Civil War, you can parse this at, at, on all three levels of spiritual, economic, political. That's why I think this matrix is so useful, and I think it needs to come into play today uh, because we're only looking at one thing, of uh, public health. That's the only thing we're looking at, public health, to the neglect and of that? everything else of our society. And that can be very, very dangerous. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the,
0: the concentration on one area with, the, with, the, with, the, with the, refusing to acknowledge the fallout or the unintended consequences. That can be a very dangerous concept, and especially when you're saying, OK, let's give it to the prince to decide what is going to be our public health. That, I think, is a very, very dangerous concept.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a tough one because public health, I think, really does have a – the the prince, the political order, does have a lot to say about it because how do you get any group of people to act together? You know, it's going to take some level of rule of law to do that. Uh, we tend to act in our own self-interest. I know Adam Smith said it was enlightened, but I don't know how enlightened it is necessarily all the time. <laughs> but, but we act in our own self-interest. Uh, but but if, we're, if we're going to act in a concerted effort, if we're going to act toward a common good, uh, that's going to take some sort of unifying authority. Uh, but even there, I think you need all three authorities in play. Uh, Let me give you an example. It's the spiritual authority, and especially like Romans 13, 1 Peter 2, that tell Christians you are not rebels in society. You're not there to overthrow the government. You know, honor the emperor and obey him. Honor the governor and obey him. So I would say to the prince, you need us because we hold the moral, us being the church, we hold the moral persuasion that you want you want people to obey you we're giving them we're giving people a higher reason to obey you than just fear of fines and imprisonment because we recognize that you the prince are a minister of God you know you're the minister of the sword you're you're God's authority and so we we obey you sometimes even when we disagree with you because that's God's authority and so see the spiritual authority has a lot to say about um good citizenship. Even Jefferson understood that.
0: Well I can see that, but again there's the point where uh where the Prince it violates God's law. I mean we see the I'm gonna I'm gonna point again to Nazi Germany, an ostensibly Christian country. And uh oh my goodness. Certainly the 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 violations there and uh just you know I'm C- curiously,
1: it all, curiously though, is the Lutheran response to that was not univocal. Okay, and that I'm I'm not hearing you. Are you there? Yeah,
0: I'm there, here. Okay. I'm
1: yeah, there's a dropout of background noise. I was concerned. Oh, it wasn't univocal. You know, we all know Bonhoeffer. And Bonhoeffer was was Lutheran, sort of, but uh, but deeply influenced by Bart and Reformed theology. So he's not entirely. He was also, an
0: early supporter of Hitler.
1: Well, uh, but also then you know joined a movement to assassinate Hitler. So um, you know now there are other Lutherans like Werner Aylert. Uh, I don't know where Hermann Zassi was on this. Um, I do know uh, just anecdotally from my mom, who grew up in Nazi Germany, of uh, her pastor. And uh, the clergy in her town, and um, they, weren't, they weren't overtly resisting the government, they weren't cooperating, they, they were much more subversive. I mean, their intent was to keep the church open. And if if uh, well, I, my mom tells an incident one time, the the local, uh, the local Nazi representatives, they wanted the Hitler youth to have activities on Sunday morning. And so they sponsored some kind of music festival or some kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, for Sunday morning. And my mom's pastor, who, by the way, was a member of the party, uh, he said... Oh, yeah, he was, because he said, I, I, need, I need to have a voice in this party. It's the ruling party, so I've got to have a voice in it. And, and he went to the local rep, and he said, no. He said, our children are in church. Our children are in catechism. Uh, they will not be going to their, the music festival. Do you understand? And they, and they backed off. They said, fine. Yep, right. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, uh, my point being, it's not, uh, this, this, this three ordo's life in the temporal kingdom is not black and white. It's not binary. It's not cut and dry. Like, many people want to make it.
0: Okay, well, you thoroughly confused me. <laughs>
1: Where's your confusion, Kip? Hey, ask me a question oh. that that unconfuses you. You, you want to be you want you want things like a spaghetti western. You want white hats, black hats, good guys, bad guys. That would certainly you,
0: make life a lot easier. But you don't want to obey like,
1: Caesar when he's not your party or when he's not a good guy, <laughs> right? You know, you, just, you yeah. just want, he's not my president. You know, that, that kind of talk has just got to end. It's just well, real, I,
0: I never quite went to that extreme. I mean, were the presidents <laughs> I did not like, but they were the presidents. I understand that. Sometimes my side doesn't win. I understand that. I remember um, I gave a, a journalism talk of all things when I was in um, uh, to a high school class, and uh, I remember one of the students saying that democracy didn't win; it d- does not work. And I asked him why, and it was because of an issue that had come up, and his
1: side had lost. <laughs> <Therefore>. <laughs> yeah. Well I remember I, And that's an interesting thing Does democracy work in all the estates Well you know we try to we try to do it In the spiritual estate We try to run churches by democratic principles But I don't think that works um, yep. We don't We, we, we certainly don't well, run corporations got, got... And households democratically Let me tell you that much So the economic <laughs> no, estate don't. has no use whatsoever For democracy
0: <laughs> but even even with with government, we have a ruling document, you know, the Constitution, and that shapes everything. And we, as Christians, yeah, we can have our democracy, if you will, within our various churches and our various bodies. But again, we have that basic ruling document, the Bible.
1: Yeah, I remember it. Uh, no, the the wait wait, who you, which which state are you talking about here? Uh, the 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 spiritual authority, we have a ruling doc. You know what our ruling documents are in in the temporal kingdom? It's not the scriptures. <laughs> it's constitution and bylaws. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get you in more trouble in a synodical convention than anything from the Bible. Come on. That's, but that's temporal kingdom. That's temporal kingdom. Yeah, The, the eternal kingdom is, is, is the, the word of God alone and faith alone. But uh, no, 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 no. Our temporal life is governed by, by these rules and regulations. Otherwise, we can't be working together. So, yeah. And that's why I think when you get down to your two kingdoms, think temporal, eternal. That which is going to end with the coming of Christ and that which uh, is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow, which will go on forever, which is eternal in God. Uh, and so in a way that kind of calms us down. All the stuff that we get worked up about is temporal, temporary.
0: But there are the people who don't believe in the spiritual and the afterlife. How do we deal with that? They've got to have some kind of a guiding I have a couple of relatives who are committed atheists But they talk about how they also have their guiding philosophies mm-hmm. Is that So that's got to be some kind of a religion It is,
1: it is You know, I mean, it's insulting to say this to an atheist So don't say it to an atheist But, but everybody's got a religion <laughs> everybody, has, everybody believes something beyond, like, hard physical evidence Everybody, everybody has an inkling, a notion, an idea um, you know, Paul talks about that in Romans 1, that, that simply, you know, kind of uh, a casual examination of creation uh, ought to at least tell you that there's something something behind and beyond this. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, atheists in print and atheists in person are, are, are very different <laughs> sorts of people. Um, and a lot of times what they're rebelling against is they're rebelling against... Um, the, uh, the institutional forms of, of religion or particular religions or their characterization of religion. Um, but w- we are. You, it's, you can't get away from this. Humanity, human beings, are spiritual creatures. That's, that's what makes us unique. We have common biology with the rest of the animal world, but we're spiritual creatures. And Amen. that gives us a special responsibility and a special place and it means that we're capable of thinking beyond ourselves. And uh, Well, so
0: well the, the legal authority here, in this case Stephanie, has just alerted me that we're coming to the end of the program. Oh. So if you have any final thoughts here, and Stephanie will bring up the music underneath you to tell you when it's time to go.
1: <laughs> well, I would just advocate, go back to those three ordos. Go back to the table of duties and, and ponder those passages and uh, try to analyze the current situation in terms of the three pillars of society, uh, namely priest, parent, and prince, and see how it's going.
0: Well, we live in interesting times, as the old saying goes. Bill, thanks so much for being on the program. Always and fun. We're going to do it again real soon. <laughs> Promise? <laughs> yeah.